Hello and welcome to the Anishinaabe History Podcast. I'm Chris Waite. I was looking at a map of treaties in Ontario and I noticed something. It's a thin strip of land in Akwesasne Mohawk Territory that was demarcated in a treaty signed with the British Crown in 1847. It is known as the St. Regis Purchase and officially as Treaty 57. But it gets complicated. The thin strip of land exists within the boundaries of an earlier treaty, the Crawford's Purchases of 1783. Furthermore, some of that same land is claimed as territory by the Algonquin Nation. It's also the area where the Canada-USA border cuts through Mohawk territory. In other words, I noticed that it was a complicated area with many overlapping boundaries. Did you know that the capital city of Canada, Ottawa, is built upon unsurrendered Algonquin land? That fact alone pretty much sums up Canada's role as overseer of the northern half of Turtle Island. But I digress. The 1840s were a busy decade in North America. The Trail of Tears was already in full swing as that genocidal policy had begun in the United States in the 1830s. That means that there was forced westward migration of thousands of people into different traditional areas. In 1847, the California gold rush had not yet begun. That wouldn't really get going until 1849. But in 1846, an important treaty was signed between the United States and the British. It was the Oregon Treaty. The Oregon Treaty was the result of decades of politicking between the United States and Britain. In 1818, the two nations had agreed to split North America between themselves as they colonized westward. But the 1818 agreement didn't include notions of sovereignty. So, by 1846, the United States and Britain had finally made a formal agreement to make the 49th parallel the northern limit of American sovereignty. The indigenous peoples who lived in those regions were not included in the discussions or the final treaty. This is an example of old racist politics that persist as systemic racism in the 21st century. So why did that 1847 treaty with the Mohawks grab my attention? The answer is because without the treaties in the eastern Great Lakes area being signed, later treaties between colonial nations and indigenous nations westward of Ottawa would not have been achievable. This is because of the geographical location of this area, but also because of the strength of the Mohawk people. Although the St. Regis Purchase is a small strip of land compared to other treaties, it is nonetheless a part of those other treaties. The Akwesasne Mohawk people who signed the St. Regis Purchase, also known as Treaty 57, live on the northern side of the St. Lawrence River. But there are other Mohawk people who live on the southern side of the St. Lawrence River. Furthermore, these Mohawk people are allies within the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, otherwise known as the Six Nations Confederacy. The Six Nations Confederacy is hundreds of years old, older than America, and older than Canada. The Six Nations are the Mohawk, the Oneida, the Onondaga, the Cayuga, the Seneca, and the Tuscarora. If European nations wanted to do business on Turtle Island in the 1700s and 1800s, then they had to go through the Six Nations, whether it was through economics, or war, 
or a combination of both. Other indigenous nations across Turtle Island also had much power in that time. In the 1840s, many indigenous nations were still sovereign. But when the War of 1812 ended, the role of indigenous nations under European colonization shifted from being allies to that of being targets. That's why Britain and the United States made their agreement in 1818. They agreed to have joint control of the land west of the Great Lakes to the Rocky Mountains, that is, joint control of the land and the indigenous peoples living on that land, and furthermore, joint control between the two of them only. They then reaffirmed their agreement in the Oregon Treaty of 1846. But to get more settlers to the west coast for all that land and gold, European people would have to go through Indian territory. That's why Britain signed treaties such as the Treaty with the Mohawks in 1847. The treaty is numbered 57 and was signed by the Akwesasne people. They are the people of the Flint. This region is downriver of Lake Ontario. To get to the Great Lakes and then to the interior of North America, this region had to be traversed. It still does. But it is Mohawk territory. It was at the time the Europeans began their explorations and colonization, and it is still Mohawk territory in the 21st century. Britain wanted safe passage for their settlers as they colonized westward, so they needed to sign a treaty with the Akwesasne people to ensure safety and friendship. Furthermore, because Britain was a de facto ally of the United States, the logic was that all white settlers would be protected by treaties. And I mean white settlers because that's who these laws served. Remember, in the 1840s, slavery was still the main economic driver of the United States. Timber, copper, iron and gold merely added to the wealth of cotton plantations. In 1848, the Mexican-American War ended. That war required a lot of supplies and troops. That's also why the treaty was signed with the British in 1846. By 1849, the California Gold Rush had begun. And then, in 1850, the British signed treaties with the Ojibwe who lived on the northern shores of Lake Superior and Lake Huron. Those treaties were meant to protect the Ojibwe from American encroachment upon the northern shores where there were, and are, large sources of mining materials such as copper and iron. In 1858, Minnesota was created as a new American state. Two years after that, the Dakota Wars began. The American Civil War ended in 1865. Canada and the Indian Act were both created in 1867. Then, in the 1870s, the newly formed country of Canada, as a colonial subservient to the British Empire, started signing even more treaties with the indigenous peoples already living north of the 49th parallel. Many of these indigenous nations had already signed treaties with the British, French, and or the Americans. This political sleight of hand, allowing the province of Canada to become an independent nation-state, superseding previous treaties with indigenous peoples, has had lingering legal impacts even into the 21st century. For example, in 1885, Louis Riel was hanged for treason because he didn't want to be ruled by the British, but nowadays he is remembered as a founding father of Manitoba. But we don't follow Métis or even Cree law in Canada. We follow British parliamentary procedure and the jurisprudence of the British Commonwealth. 
That was how Canada and America were created. And that's why we speak English in Canada and in the United States. Balkanization, divide and conquer, European agreements, and broken treaty promises. It was all part of the plan. The 1847 treaty is also known as the St. Regis Purchase. It covers a narrow strip of land called the Nutfield Tract, which lies north of the St. Lawrence River. This river flows eastwards towards the Atlantic and has been used for inland travel for thousands of years. In modern times, ocean-going vessels like cargo ships can get to the western shores of Lake Superior, the westernmost of the Great Lakes, via a system of locks. Impressive, yes, but it took many decades to create the infrastructure for that supply chain system of cargo ships and locks to be made, and it required many treaties with the indigenous peoples who lived along the rivers and lakes that the colonizer empire required for their supply chain infrastructure. Every treaty is therefore important, because without the system of treaties, the European infrastructure could not have been built upon Turtle Island. It should be noted that there are American treaties with the Mohawk people on the southern side of the St. Lawrence River, across from the St. Regis Purchase. That region is now known as Upper New York State. In other words, if you travel between Ottawa and New York City, you are traveling through Algonquin and Mohawk territory. What about the Oregon Treaty? That treaty had been signed in 1846, the year before the St. Regis Purchase of 1847. I'll read what it says on Wikipedia. Quote, the Oregon Treaty is a treaty between the United Kingdom and the United States that was signed on June 15, 1846 in Washington, D.C. The treaty brought an end to the Oregon boundary dispute by settling competing American and British claims to the Oregon country. The area had been jointly occupied by both Britain and the U.S. since the Treaty of 1818. End quote. It should be known that in 1846, America went to war against Mexico. So, America had to sign a treaty with Britain because it couldn't sustain two wars at the same time. The Oregon Treaty was an agreement between America and Britain to share control of North America. By signing the Oregon Treaty with Britain, America bought time on its northern front so that it could fight against Mexico on its southern front. Remember, this was all happening on top of indigenous nations across Turtle Island. The Mexican-American War ended in 1848. That's why the Ojibwe of Lake Superior and Lake Huron signed treaties with the British Crown in 1850. They were seeking protection from the expansionist Americans. The Ojibwe had been duped, however, because their so-called allies, the British, were already secretly in cahoots with the United States and had been for decades. They're schemers. Schemers trying to control their little worlds. I'm not a schemer. I try to show the schemers how pathetic their attempts to control things really are. You'll know that I'm telling the truth. There were other treaties signed between European superpowers and indigenous nations on Turtle Island in 1847. For example, 
the Ojibwe's of what is now northern Minnesota signed the Fond du Lac Treaty in 1847. That treaty granted mineral exploration rights to the United States in northern Minnesota and on the southwestern shores of Lake Superior. It was necessary for the European supply chain between the Rocky Mountains and the St. Lawrence Seaway for these supposedly separate treaties of 1847 to be signed. Some of these treaties, although they involve an indigenous people like the Ojibwe, are considered separate because they were signed with different European offshoot nations. That's why the Treaty of 1847 with the Akwesasne people is called Treaty 57 by the Canadian Bureau of Indigenous Services. This is confusing because later treaties signed by the Ojibwe people with Canada, that is, not Britain, are called the Numbered Treaties and only number from 1 through 9. In reality, those treaties, known as Canada's Numbered Treaties 1 through 9, should be known as Treaties 62 through 72 or something like that. And that's not including the treaties south of the Medicine Line. There are actually hundreds of treaties that have been signed across Turtle Island. I'm just scratching the surface. That's all for today's episode. Stay tuned for more episodes in the future. I'm Chris Waite, and this has been the Anishinaabe History Podcast.